0: If you've been enjoying this podcast over weeks or months or even years, I'd be so grateful if you could please leave us a five star review so others can hear about the show. Thanks so much. Welcome to Grow, Cook, Eat, Arrange with me, Sarah Raven, and me, Sarah Raven, today. No guest, so I'm going to be doing increasing numbers of solo episodes scattered through with guests in between. But today I thought I'd talk about harvesting techniques and part of our theme of 12 best tips, really, or 12 best plants. I just realized I spend pretty much every day of my life harvesting something, and so over the last 30 years of gardening here. I've kind of worked out how it's most efficient, how it works best and how it then makes the thing that I've harvested last longest. So there's some repetition of things I've talked about in the past in this one about conditioning flowers, but I just wanted to do the 12 most important points both for food and for flowers that I draw on and are sort of second nature to me here every day and I'm wanting to them a hand over to you so you get better value really out of what you've grown. So starting with food, at this time of year in the spring, the thing I'm probably picking more than anything else are salad leaves and herbs. So it's things like mitzunas, the mustards, the rockets, winter purse lane, onto the cut and come again, salad leaves, etc. cetera. And then in terms of the, the hardy herbs, I'm picking flat leaf parsley, chervil and coriander, particularly, as well as now by this stage in the year, a few of the perennial herbs like mint and tarragon and chives and fennel, they're all coming up too. Anyway, with all of those, there is something that I do Completely um, second nature for me is that I go into the kitchen and we have a big pot of rubber bands and I put them all the way up my left hand wrist. And in my right hand, I go out into the garden with a colander. And I tend to use a big catering colander. So I've got lots of room without crushing things. But, you know, I pick salad, which I'll come on to uh, to last three or four days. I'll, I'll come on to how to store it. And out I go and I tend to pick the scissors, to be honest, but, but actually a sharp serrated knife, those ones that you get that you can chop tomatoes really easy, they're really good too. And out into the garden or the greenhouse, and I do what's called picking round. So I just either snap with my fingers or I will cut all the outer leaves from each individual plant, but I leave the heart intact. And basically the point of that is until we get into the main growing season in May when light levels are really high and growth curves really kick off. What we have found is that to replenish the heart takes the plant much more energy and more time to recreate that than if you leave it intact and it will kick out new leaves, new leaves, new leaves outwards. So just by picking the outer leaves, you allow more room for new ones to form, but you're not taking away the source, which is the heart. So picking round... But always I will pick a bunch of one variety and this is where the rubber bands come in. I then rubber band that bunch and plop it into the colander. Then I'll move on and I'll move on to the flat leaf parsley. I'll do the same. Now, yesterday when I was picking flat leaf parsley, I noticed that some of the plants were just beginning to bolt, i.e. the central right in the heart. There was actually quite a chunky stem, almost like the size of my little finger. And that's a sign it's coming up to flower and you don't want that. So then I change my harvesting practice and I will take that right down to the ground and consciously water it because that will hopefully hold it back from bolting or coming up to flower, in which case the flavor goes out of the leaf. So that's the only time that I change it. And then I'll move on and I'll pick coriander. Coriander doesn't really form a heart so with that, you're just picking about an inch above the ground, but rubber band, rubber band, rubber band, each thing individually, rubber band, rubber band, plop into the colander, rubber band, plop into the colander. Then I go into the kitchen and I will fill a sink with cold water and I'll literally just pick up all the bunches with their rubber bands on and chuck them in the sink for two hours. And I try and do two hours and they're just like flowers that they absorb a bit of water over their whole leaf surface area. And this really makes them much less floppy when you add the dressing or you put them into whatever you're going to do. They keep their perky texture much longer. So I'll then take them out after two hours, either uh, with coriander, which is really quite tender. I tend to just roll it in a Tea towel to dry it, or I've got a lettuce whizzer, you know, one of those things that you go roundy, roundy, roundy. But don't do it ferociously. Do it quite gently. Stop, empty the plastic base of it. Do it again. Stop, empty it. Don't sort of, because all you're doing is just whizzing the water round and round and you're re saturating the leaves. So just take a little bit of care over that. And I am a great believer in very dry salad leaves, you know, because otherwise, Dressing and lit water don't mix, so you'll just find that the dressing washes off and sits in the rather sort of watery pool at the bottom of the of the bowl. So that's not good for a salad either. Anyway, so that's called picking round. And the one that I explained with the parsley, I call kuching because it's like like that. You're chopping it. And as the season gets hotter, I'll move more as I see things trying to bolt or come up to flat. I'll move to doing more kuching. But mainly, I stick with picking round. And that's because we found that by using that harvesting technique, we've actually upped, we literally measured it comparing two meter square patches with another two meter square patches with exactly the same crops in them. And we found that we get about 30 to 40% more harvested from the ones where we're doing picking round, particularly between sort of September, October, and kind of April, but then between kind of April and August, you can move to, you know, harsher harsher harvesting and more ka But as a general rule, it really ups your harvest if you use the picking round technique. And I've also found that by moving t- to that, I can now pick Swiss chard and spinach and perpetual spinach for much, much longer, even in the very cold months in the winter. Because by, by just picking round you actually get this sort of funny tree trunk forming with a a, a sort of plume of leaves coming out the top and that lifts the crown of the plant of the chard or the perpetual spinach away from the cold, frosty soil and it makes it a hardier plant. Okay, so enough on harvesting edibles. I'm sure there's lots more, but those are the things that are really at the forefront of my mind at the moment that I'm picking every day. And then I just want to move on to picking sweet peas, which actually I use the same system. So I go into the garden and I do one of two things. So at the beginning of the season, when the stems are quite long because they're new and fresh and the plants have just started growing, I pick with the rubber band technique. And so I have rubber bands on my wrist and I bunch Either mix colors or perhaps single colors in an individual bunch and then move on rather like with the salad leaves or the lettuce, move on to a different variety, each with their own bunch. And here they don't go into a colander because they must go straight into water. So we use milk pails here. Milk pails have handles. Florist buckets tend not to have handles. I can carry two milk pails, one over each arm into the garden without having to come back again to get another whereas the florist buckets, it's hard to carry more than one. So into the garden with milk pails, with my florist scissors, rubber bands on my wrist, pick a bunch, a nice sort of, let's say 15, 20 stems, plop it into water, move on, another 15 or 20 stems, plop it into water. It's really, really quick. Then I get into the house and I've got my vase and I literally arrange them into the vase, still with the rubber bands on, particularly if I'm making a shallow short table center that I want to see over. So actually I want the short stems and I just put them all into the thing. And then, and only then do I cut the rubber band. And it means table center arranging takes about 30 seconds, a minute max. Whereas, you know, when you're putting individually sweet pea stems in uh, into a vase, I mean, it's going to take you more like five or 10 minutes. So it makes a huge difference. But there's one other thing that I have found incredibly helpful that we've been experimenting with here, which is a different way of picking sweet peas, which is towards the end of the season, the stem length of sweet peas, particularly the very highly scented varieties like Machicana, get shorter and shorter. In the end, so that they're so short, they're kind of like the length of your finger and they're really, really, really difficult to use. So you tend not to use them So they tend to sit on the plant, they then run to seed and that will stop the sweet peas flowering. So we've been experimenting with this alternative system where we allow the sweet peas to get to about sort of human height, like five, six foot. And then from that moment on, we no longer pinch them, but actually we allow them to grow on up their teepee. But then once they start to have these shorter stems we take the top third of the vine in one go and always cutting it above a pair of leaves what then happens is that they'll look pretty awful for a week or so but then what you'll see is at that point that you cut at say four or five feet you'll suddenly see auxiliary buds forming and two auxiliary buds will then each create their own vine and will get going again so You've, cri- you've almost deadheaded in a wanna for the whole top section of that vine. And actually, if you feed with perhaps some potash-rich feed, like comfrey pellets and water, off they romp again. Not for as long this time, but maybe you'll get another three or four weeks of harvesting from them. And you then get these long, lovely sort of cascades of sweet peas, not with one individual flower at the top of a stem but maybe six seven or eight and you can actually put them in a big vase trailing at the side in a very elegant way and you can almost dead head as they go over and so rather than sweet peas that the average vase life is five days you maybe are extending it to more like seven or ten days and so it, it gives you this double benefit that you're mass deadheading, heading you're creating um, the impulse for the plant to go on flowering for longer And you've got something rather more glamorous than a short little stem of sweet pea. And of course, with both, you've got delicious scent. So it makes good sense. And I recommend that that you try that. And then the last thing that I just wanted to mention in this thing about making things last as long as possible and getting as much as you can from your harvest is about conditioning. And I have talked about this before, but I almost feel like I can't talk about it too much. And those are the techniques. As we move from spring into summer, things last less long in this early part of the year and are more floppy because they've just recently grown. And so whereas something like a cerinthi in the autumn will last well in a vase, in the spring it flops double if you don't do anything to it. So the key thing is searing. And searing is where you pick the flower straight into water having stripped two-thirds of its foliage into another bucket which can go straight onto the compost in it comes kettles on the boil coffee mug or a a heatproof jug plunge the bottom section of the stem just 10% of the stem of the syrinthi into the boiling water and then immediately take it out after about four or five seconds into cold water to stop it cooking and leave it in that cold water overnight and what you're wanting to do is you're picking your conditioning, which in this case with something like sorinthia is searing, you're then resting the flower in cold deep water overnight, and then you're arranging. You are not pick plonk. Pick plonk is when things flop, and you'll end up chucking them out. And hellebores are beginning to come to the end of their season now, but we've been picking buckets and buckets and buckets, and people are scared of picking hellebores, but don't be. You just need to know four things. The first is you want to pick them when one of the flowers on the stem has dropped its anthers and run to seed, i.e. it's been in flower for some time. And that means that the stem will have gained some lignin in its cell walls and it'll be more woody and more upstanding. Number two, sear them. So bring them in, sear them just like I've described. Number three, cut up the centre of the stem Number four, float them in a bath overnight. So that's not, so pick, condition, rest, arrange. So with the cerinthi, you've got the stem end in the water and the flowers out of the water. With the hellebore, they're all in the water. Every part of the flower is in the water. And that has an amazing effect on hellebores. And if they are sitting in a hot kitchen or a hot sitting room, and they do flop after three or four days or even above a fireplace, if they you suddenly see one has flopped don't chuck it into the compost absolutely take it out and put it in the bath again overnight and you will be amazed by the morning they will have completely resurrected and be perky as anything and can go back in the arrangement in the vase as we get into summer We find with lilies, they're really transformed if you remove the anthers. So I'm wary of picking too many lilies because they're so beautiful in the garden. But I pick the odd one as a single stem. And if I remove the anthers, they'll last 10 days at least in water. And then as we get into real spring into summer, uh, the final one I just wanted to mention is peonies. Peonies. Peonies have a hugely large petal surface and they've evolved to absorb water over their whole petal surface. And what that means is, just like I said with the hellebores, chuck them in the bath overnight. And I first discovered this when I did a huge peony shoot, literally 30 years ago. And I just didn't know how to keep these alive, having been to a nursery uh, for the photographer to come the next day to photograph them or the day after. So I just literally just chuck them in the bath and really carefully made them all sit upright on the edge of the bath. But when I got up in the morning, they'd all sunk down into the base of the bath. So however much care I'd taken, I was completely devastated and panicked. But actually, amazingly, they lasted 10 days or two weeks because they'd had that petal soaking. And I've done it with them ever since, and I do it with hydrangeas too. And so searing, staking with amaryllis, sterilizing with lilies, submerging with peonies, and hydrangeas are are really transformatory for vase lives. So I hope that there are quite a few things there for you, whether you're picking your edibles or your flowers, that will make a real difference to how long things last and how lovely they are to eat and to look at. Thanks so much for listening to the episode that I wanted to do on harvesting techniques I've learned over the years and conditioning of cut flowers. Relevant, very relevant to the herb section of this podcast is the next one with Jekka Vicker, who I met maybe 30 years ago and is widely applauded as being the queen of herbs and has mentored lots of chefs, including Jamie Oliver, And so next week, I'm joined by Jekka on her 12 recommended herbs for beginner gardeners. So the really wonderful culinary things that are easy to grow and that will transform your cooking. So join us then. You can find more information, photos and advice sheets on all the plants and recipes we talk about on this podcast by heading to the show notes or at sarahraven.com forward slash podcast.